Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From My Point of View. Monday night, probably usurps Seahawks-Cardinals for best game of the NFL season. The Browns and the Ravens, believe it or not, what a game that was. Total shootout, not what I expected that game to be at all, but it came right down to the wire, and the Ravens came out on top. We'll go over that in detail as well as the rest of Week 14 in the NFL. But first, two huge contracts in the NBA that we need to talk about. The Clippers extending Paul George for four years, $190 million, on top of his contract, which was supposed to expire at the end of this season. And Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Bucks lock him down. Luckily for them, because if they didn't, their franchise would have just been, it would have been over. Like, disintegrate the franchise, move it out of Milwaukee, whatever. The Bucks, the Milwaukee Bucks, as we know it, would have been toast if they lost Giannis. But he locks in five years, $228 million for the Supermax. So Paul George first. Uh, I found this to be a bit of a surprise Um, Paul George did come out and say before this season started, it was maybe like one or two weeks ago, whatever it was, that he wanted to to stay in L.A. He wanted to retire a Clipper. And he has said that before, obviously. He, He said that when he was in Indiana, and they traded him to OKC. He said it when he was in OKC. And then he left, or he forced his way out of OKC to go to Los Angeles. Now, this contract that he has is up at the end of this year and there were a lot of people who for good reason thought that he would just jump ship and go try and find another contender or somewhere that somewhere that wants him and go there sign a deal for money that he didn't really deserve and that was it however the Clippers gave him money he didn't deserve um and I, I, I've, I've always liked Paul George. I've never historically hated him for any reason. I didn't care that he forced his way out of Indiana. I didn't care that he left OKC. The OKC thing, like, that was kind of whatever. OKC decided to blow it up because they traded Westbrook. They traded Paul George. Um, and, and that was that, you know? So it, it wasn't even like he was forcing his way out of there. They were just... That, that franchise was just ready to move on to another chapter. Uh, but him forcing his way out of Indiana, I didn't even really care about that. To be honest, I was glad he got out of Indiana because it just didn't seem like they were doing enough to, to support him in Indiana. Um, so I didn't really care about any of that. And then when he signed with Los Angeles, I was like, you know what? Okay, I mean, I, I didn't, I never really hated the move by Leonard or George to go and team up in L.A. with the Clippers. I, I didn't, I didn't hate it at all. Um, but this contract is interesting. Um, obviously, we know what happened with the Clippers in the in the playoffs a couple a couple months ago. And I'm not going to pin that all on Paul George. You know, Kawhi Leonard certainly struggled with him. He was also, you know, he was supposed to be the number one guy. And Paul George was supposed to be like his 
his 1B, you know, 1A and 1B. And both of them really struggled. They, they both just did not perform well against the Nuggets, blowing a 3-1 lead, of course, and not even getting to the the conference finals to face the Lakers was a huge disappointment, not only to NBA fans, obviously, but to them especially. So it was a shocker, to say the least, but both of them just were not very good. Paul George took, I would say, more of the blame than Kawhi Leonard did, even though Kawhi did not play that well either. So, this leaves the Clippers in limbo after next season. So, they have Ka- they have Kawhi and they have Paul George, both for this season, a chance to run it back. Um, they signed Serge Ibaka, they lost Montrez Harrell, the reigning six-man uh, of the year. They got Serge, and I think that's it. You know, not any huge ads for the Clippers. So they're essentially running it back. I personally think they got a little worse. Um, but the core is essentially the same for them. Patrick Beverly, Lou Will, Kawhi, and Paul George, obviously. Uh, they still got Zubak, I think. Serge Ibaka. Um, yeah, so, I I don't know, unless Kawhi and Paul George seriously step it up, then they, they might just be looking at the same exit this year in the playoffs, but they have a new head coach with Tyron Lue, which I don't know how much he's gonna, I don't know how, if he's gonna fare better than Doc Rivers did with that team, uh, but Paul George had a very controversial podcast. I think he was on All the Smoke with uh, Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson. And he was talking about how Doc Rivers... He didn't feel like Doc Rivers was using him right. He felt like Rivers was using him more as like a spot-up Ray Allen, like three-point shooter. Which he said he's capable of doing, which is contradicting to what the stats would say, especially in the playoffs. He didn't shoot very well from three in the playoffs. And he's more of just like a free-flowing kind of player, not like really a spot-up guy like he was being used. Uh, to which Doc Rivers jokingly replied, well, your, your new head coach was sitting right next to me the whole season, so how much better do you think you're going you're gonna to be? You know, Which, I mean, he's not entirely wrong whether he's joking or not. Tyron Lue was the assistant coach for the Clippers all last year, so like he was very much a part of that game plan and the and the the setup of that offense for the Clippers. So I, I don't know how much different Paul George is going to be, unless it's just going to be Ty Lue doing what he did in Cleveland, which is essentially just handing the reins over to his two best players and say go nuts, you know, which was Kyrie and LeBron, who they played what they played fantastic together. I mean, they were incredible, like Batman, Robin, one A, one B. Both of them were just fantastic and they meshed incredible together and that's very much different than what Kawhi and Paul George have because Kawhi and Paul George are essentially the 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 same like type of player not they're both like two-way wing players you know they shoot threes they like mid-range driving inside like they both more or less have the same type of game Kyrie and LeBron you know LeBron's a six foot nine small forward and Kyrie's like a six foot two point guard. So in that aspect, they would mesh well together than just two forwards next to each other. Anyway, I digress. 
Paul George, Kawhi, one more year to run it back and see how it goes. Who knows what Kawhi does after this year? I think he'll be 32 after his contract is up. Both of them are 31 right now. Paul George looks like he's going to be in L.A. now for the remainder of his career. Although we have seen not no contract is untradeable. We, we've established this in the NBA. No contract is untradeable. Everyone was saying the John Wall contract, untradeable. What does Washington do? Pretty much swaps it with Russell Westbrook's. Doesn't matter what your contract's like. Anything is tradable. So to go over it, it's four years, $190 million on top of the 35 and a half that he gets for this season. So an additional four years, $190 million on top of this one year, $35.5 million 2020 season for Paul George. And it also includes a player option before the 2024-2025 season. So before that last year of this extension, he can opt out of his contract if he wants. But by that time, he'll be 34. So who knows? Now the doozy, the big one, is Giannis Antetokounmpo. So Giannis signs a five-year, $228 million Supermax with the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Bucks fans, you could take that, that sigh of relief because your superstar is now locked in until his 30s because I think he's 26. So by the time he's onto his next contract, uh, he'll be 31 years old. Uh, take a take a breath. It's okay. You got him. He's not gonna he's not gonna up and leave you guys, which was a legitimate concern. Um, not that Giannis had ever shown signs that he was so frustrated with the franchise that he was ready to leave. Um, it certainly would have been a LeBron esque scenario with. Cleveland his first go around when he decided to leave them for Miami um which is what a lot of people were actually saying that Giannis was going to leave in free agency and go and sign with the Heat <laughs> but that wasn't the case he's re-upped with Milwaukee and now the only thing they need to do is to sign Drew Holiday because they traded they traded the house for Drew Holiday to pair him with Giannis and to kind of give the Bucks that that extra step they needed with a point guard who has been incredibly undervalued as a player, but um, NBA guys across the league, players across the league, recognize Drew Holiday as uh, a, a real deal point guard. Like he is, um, again, all the smoke, I'm bringing that podcast up again, but it, it suits this. They asked a lot of guys, they asked a lot of ex-NBA players or current NBA players um, who they thought was the most underrated guy in the league, and Drew Holiday was the most popular answer. Uh, So even a lot of people across the league, current and former players, believe that Drew Holiday is the real deal, and he certainly is, uh, despite what his accolades might tell you you know he's never led the league in anything he's never uh I don't think he's ever made an all NBA he's definitely never made an all NBA team maybe an all defensive team once uh 
Uh, he's made one all-star game. Like, he doesn't get the the star accolades that a lot of other players get, but he is certainly a high-caliber player and a point guard that Giannis has never had. He's never had a point guard that can run an offense probably as effectively as Drew Holiday has. Um, he's had Eric Bledsoe. That's no diss to Eric Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe's a good player, but he isn't the best facilitator or a guy to keep the flow of the offense. Um, he's an excellent defender, but offensively, he leaves something to be desired. And Drew Holiday can create his own shot. He can drive to the hoop. He can shoot effectively. He's a good passer, and he plays excellent defense. So definitely an improvement for the Bucks at the point guard position. They definitely gave up way too much for him, though which we'll see if that ends up biting them in the ass if he ends up leaving. But the fact that Giannis has just re-upped um, with the Bucks is the number one priority. And they got that locked down and squared away. So now there's a good chance that Drew Holiday looks at that and says, well, you know, Giannis is locked in for the foreseeable future. I might as well join him. And there's a good chance that they get him to sign a contract. He is 30 years old, so he is a few years older than Giannis. Um, so he probably won't get the same like four-year length of a contract that Giannis got. Uh, but I'm sure the Bucks would like to lock him down for the next few years at least on top of this year that he has. So maybe a two-year extension they can give him. We'll see. But a good sign for the Bucs that they got their, their breadwinner locked down and they don't have to worry about if he's going to leave or re-sign uh, during the season or after in the offseason, you know, depending. Because he could have easily just said, I'm not signing anything until the end of this year. And that would have been an absolute nightmare for Bucks fans because if you have the same kind of playoff exit that you had in the playoffs last season, then you're shaking because he's probably going to leave. But now, you don't have to worry about it. And to credit to Giannis, he said he was going to sign it uh, in December when he was allowed to. And actually, I'm not sure he's... Oh, yeah, the deadline was the 22nd because the 23rd was the start of the season. So he said he was going to sign it before the deadline, and he did. So credit to Giannis for sticking to his word, keeping his word, and not you know, backstabbing or double-crossing or going back on what he said uh, because a lot of players do do that nowadays. So good for Giannis, good for the Bucks, And as much as it's kind of lame that Giannis, as good as he is, is in Milwaukee of all places. No disrespect to Milwaukee, but, you know, it's not the biggest city in the world. I wish he was in, like, L.A. or New York or Miami. You know, a bigger a bigger market but regardless happy for the Bucks they got a superstar and hopefully they can capitalize on it otherwise Giannis is gonna have to deal with a lot of scrutiny if he's not already okay NFL week 14 the best game of the NFL season thus far Browns Ravens Monday night football it was a shootout and going into that game both teams, uh, good defenses, and a quarterback that has been 
inconsistent this year. Lamar Jackson, not a great thrower of the football. Baker Mayfield throws the football, not always great, right? Sometimes he has terrible games. Sometimes, like against the Titans, he'll throw for four TDs and a half. It was a shootout, start to finish, um, and it ended with flair, I guess you could say. Um, Baker Mayfield, I believe, he had his rushing touchdown to tie the game late in the fourth quarter. First of all, let's talk about the Ravens. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's talk about the Ravens here. We don't have to go over a recap of the game. But Lamar Jackson, he leaves the game with what turned out to be cramps. I think he had to go and get an IV. And he comes back after Trace McSorley. I don't know if he tore his ACL or not, but it certainly looked like he did. And in perfect timing, Lamar comes out of the tunnel, checks back into the game. His first throw after checking back in to a wide-open Marquise Brown. I mean, no one within like 15 yards of him, middle of the field, takes it to the house to take the lead against the Browns. Insanity, right? Like, And this is, I didn't watch yesterday, but my friends told me that Max Kellerman said that this was like Lamar Jackson was like his Willis Reed moment. No, it's not. I mean, he left because he was dehydrated. He didn't have like a severe leg injury. He didn't get like rocked and come back into the game after uh, being on the sidelines with an injury, right? This isn't something like Matt Stafford who uh, what did he, he broke his collarbone and then checked back into the game and threw a game-winning touchdown, right? Or uh, well, he dislocated his shoulder, something like that, and come back in to to win the game for his team. This is nothing like those scenarios. He was dehydrated. He got an IV and he came back. Uh, Steve Levy said he was Superman without the cape. Like, all right, th- let's t- step on the brakes a little bit. This is ridiculous. That drive, w- I mean, his first throw couldn't have picked a better a better time to to bust coverage if you're the Browns, right? Like the Ravens got lucky there. They blew the coverage. Brown was wide open. Tosses it in. Touchdown, Ravens. Browns come down the field. And I think this is when Baker Mayfield rushes it in for a touchdown. They take the lead. Now, this this drive was more impressive for me than the one where he throws to a wide-open Hollywood Brown. Ravens are driving down the field, and Lamar, he has like a solid run, and then he... Makes two huge throws to Mark Andrews, who gets some significant yards after the catch. End of the drive, they're able to set up Justin Tucker for a 55-yard field goal attempt, which if you're the Browns, any other kicker in the league, right? Like 98% of the kickers in the NFL. Maybe like one other guy, if you're like Mason Crosby is someone I probably, with game on the line, 55 yards, Mason Crosby, I'm not feeling too good that he's going to miss that. Can't think of many others off the top of my head, but you're, you, end of the game, like game winning scenario, a lot of pressure, 55 yards is not a chip shot. Any other kicker in the league, you're happy with your odds if you're the Browns, except Justin Tucker. Like he's the one guy, and coincidentally, I was I was talking to my friends while this was happening. I was like, the Ravens are going to drive down the field here, and Justin Tucker's going to kick a 55-yard yard, uh, yard field goal to win. And coincidentally, it ended up being exactly 55 yards. 
Uh, and he nails it. Nails it. And that that's the game right there. Uh, and the disgusting part about this, actually, is that at the end of the game, I think Baltimore was three-point favorites. And they were winning by three. Exactly. <laughs> and the Browns run like this lateral schoolyard BS and end up fumbling the ball out of the back of their own end zone, which is a safety, and the Ravens covered. They ended up winning by five. So that's gross in and of itself. But an impressive game for both teams. The Ravens, this is a must win. They are now tied with the Dolphins for the wild card. Um, I don't know who owns the tiebreaker because I'm not, I, I don't know all of their losses off the top of my head. But whoever has the least amount of losses to divisional opponents is going to be winning that tiebreaker. Right now, it doesn't matter. Obviously, there are three games left. But a huge win for the Ravens. So they're tied with the Dolphins for the wild card. And the Browns are still very much a threat to win the a the AFC North because the Steelers don't look great. The Bills uh, pretty much dominated the Steelers front to back uh, for the entire game. And the Steelers are a head-scratcher now. So two straight losses for Pittsburgh. Uh, they lost to Washington and now the Bills. Didn't score 20 points. Haven't scored 20 points in the past three weeks since they played the Jaguars when they won 27-3. They scored 19 against the Ravens, 19-14, uh, 17 against Washington in a loss, and 15 against the Bills in a loss. So the offense has kind of been struggling here to put up points. Uh, the defense has been pretty solid, all things considered, even with the injuries that they've they've suffered, which are uh, plentiful, if we're being honest here. You know, Bud Dupree was a huge loss for them. Devin Bush early in the season, huge loss for them. And they're still performing at a high level on the defense. The problem is, offensively, the Steelers cannot run the ball to save their life. Cannot run the ball. James Conner or whoever else is in the backfield, Benny Snell, uh, McFarlane, it, do it doesn't matter who is in the backfield for the Steelers. They can't run the football. They cannot run the football. You're relying on Big Ben, a, a thir uh, upper 30s-year-old quarterback who's coming off of Tommy John surgery to throw the ball 40 times a game. It, it's just not a recipe for success. I don't care how good Big Ben is or uh, like how smart he is, whatever. Him Relying on him to throw the ball as much as he has been is not a recipe to put up points if you're the Steelers. It just isn't. So you have to run the ball. Otherwise, you you run the risk of being one-dimensional, which they have been. And they've been successful throwing the football. It's just not successful enough. And against good teams with a good def a solid defense and a better offense, you're not going to win in a shootout if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're not. And the Bills, Josh Allen, there are some people out there who still do not like Josh Allen. And they they still criticize him and they think it's a whenever he does have a good game, there's, you know, his game against the 49ers. Incredible game against the 49ers. 
Oh, well, the 49ers aren't good. They're banged up, blah, blah, blah. How impressive is it? Now he has a very significant win against the Steelers. But people are now going to start questioning the Steelers and how good are they actually. They're 11-2. and two, But this is easily the most criticized 11-2 and two team I've ever seen in my life. And I'm not saying it's not warranted because it is. They have a lot of problems. But they're still 11-2. and two, And they've found ways to win football games. So, you can't hold you can't hold 11 wins against them and be like, "Well, look who you beat." That's not fair. They didn't make their schedule. However, the people who hate Josh Allen are going to use that to their advantage. Well, look at the Steelers. You know, they're like the worst 11 and 2 team I've ever seen in my life. How significant is that to Josh Allen? Josh Allen's played great. He has made tremendous strides, and I went over this last week. He's made tremendous strides as a quarterback, specifically with his accuracy. And I think that's huge for the Bills moving forward as a franchise with Josh Allen as their franchise QB. So, bottom line with that game, Steelers, not the best 11-2 team we've ever seen, right? Probably one of the worst, <laughs> for being honest. Like, there are a lot of glaring issues with this Steelers team and uh, if they keep slipping who knows what that that end of the season looks like for them because you got the Bengals next week which is on Monday Night Football for some reason uh, and then the Colts in week 16 and week 17 you're playing the Browns and the Browns have the Giants and the Jets the next two weeks. So two very, very, very winnable games for the Browns in the next couple weeks. And if they manage to win those and go into the last week of the season, 11-4, and and the Steelers end up dropping that game to the Colts, say they beat the Bengals, they're 12-2, and and they lose to the Colts, 12-3, and 11-4, Browns, last game of the seasons between the Steelers and Browns, and it could very well lead to the division championship in that, or the division title in that last week of the season. We'll think, we'll see. I mean, the Browns, the Giants aren't a cakewalk anymore. They play tough defense, and now Daniel Jones might not play that game, and we'll get to that when we get to the Giants game. But but it's not looking like uh, a cakewalk like it was a couple weeks ago for the Steelers. Washington beat the 49ers. Their defense laid a smackdown. The, uh, the football team officially takes first place in the NFC East with their win. Chargers beat the Falcons in a game that was just turnover after turnover. It was gross. I mean, both, both quarterbacks just kept bo- turning the ball over. Matt Ryan had three interceptions. Herbert had one interception, which isn't terrible, but it, it was just it was just a really bad game for Matt Ryan, and I, I labeled him as officially washed. Uh, I, I just don't think Matt Ryan has it anymore, and it's unfortunate, but just the way it is. The Eagles, in probably the biggest surprise of the week, beat the Saints. So the Saints actually now lose, or they're tied for the number one seed, 
Jalen Hurts in his first game starting in the NFL. Huge win. Huge win over the Saints. Uh, he threw for he was 17 and 30 for 167 yards and a touchdown. Miles Sanders had a great game, 14 carries, 115 yards, and two TDs. Jalen Hurts also was running all over the place. The Saints couldn't really contain him when he was running the football. Uh, so an impressive win for the Eagles. Doesn't bode well for Carson Wentz, but that's okay. Packers beat the Lions 31 to 24. Aaron Rodgers, three touchdowns. What else is new? Uh, but this game got a little closer than it probably should have been at the end. Uh, the Lions came roaring back. Not pun intended. Uh, sorry about that. I'm disgusted with myself. But Matt Stafford also suffered an injury. He got hit from behind while he was running for a first down as he was sliding. And he kind of folded up on himself. And he has, a, uh, I think it was, it was a rib injury they said he had. So he's in jeopardy of not playing. Which, if you're the Lions... Who cares, right? Just sit him. You don't. You don't have to make him play. Uh, he's. This is your franchise quarterback, and you're not very good. So just let him go. Give it to the backup. Seahawks demolish the Jets. Nothing to go over there. Jets remain winless because they stink. Colts laid the smackdown on the Raiders. Jonathan Taylor finally had his breakout game as a. Running back in the NFL, 20 carries, 150 yards, and two touchdowns, including a 60-yard run for a touchdown. Uh, the Raiders, worst defense in the NFL? Looking that way, you are one zero blitz from losing three games in a row to the Falcons, to the Jets, and to the Colts. Now, the Colts are a good team. No shame in losing to them. However, the loss to the Falcons remains an embarrassment, and you just narrowly escaped with your lives against the Jets. So, not looking great for the Raiders. However, they are still in the playoff hunt, of course, at 7-6. and six. Titans beat the Jaguars, so the Titans and Colts are still duking it out for the AFC South title. Both teams are 9-4. and four. Broncos beat the Panthers 32 to 27. Buccaneers beat the Vikings 26 to 14. And the Bucks are hanging around. They're 8 and 5. Uh, so they'll be a wild card team. Chiefs beat the Dolphins, but credit to the Dolphins, man. They played a tough game. They were up 10 nothing, and then the Chiefs do what the Chiefs do and they rattled off I think it was 28 unanswered points against the Dolphins, but the Dolphins never gave up. They clawed their way back, and they ended up making it a very close game in the end. Uh, unfortunately, it came down to recovering an onside kick, which is borderline impossible unless the uh, the recovery team forgets the rules. Like, you can, you can touch the ball before it goes for 10 yards. But credit to the Dolphins. I mean, that's a, that's a moral victory if I've ever seen one. They're still 8-5. Like I said, they are tied with the Ravens. For that wild card spot. Cowboys beat the Bengals. So they're creeping around. Still in the NFC East. And the Giants. Unfortunately got embarrassed by the Cardinals. Uh, so the NFC East right now. Is looking like. The football team. Six and seven. The Giants are in second at five and eight. 
And then it is the Eagles at 4-8-1 and one, and the Cowboys at 4-9. So the Giants very much in this with Washington. Um, Giants got a tough schedule coming up. They got the Browns. They had they had a gauntlet right now. They beat the Seahawks, lose to the Cardinals. They have the Browns and the Ravens next, and then end the season against the Cowboys. Whereas the football team has the Seahawks next week, and then the Panthers and Eagles to end the season. So, ideally, Washington loses next week. Um, maybe the Giants can hound Baker Mayfield enough to to win, but it's it's going to be tough because Daniel Jones uh, has come up with another injury, and they said he has a second lower leg injury that could keep him from playing against the Browns, in addition to the hamstring injury that he's still dealing with. Uh, and you saw against the Cardinals, there was a lot that went wrong for the Giants. Uh, the defense played well, but they can only play so hard for so long because the offense couldn't stay on the field. And you saw Daniel Jones, he was making his reads in the pocket, but he could not buy himself time if he had to. Uh, as soon as that pocket collapsed, there was really nothing he can do. Uh, he was sacked like seven times, I think, against the the Cardinals. So it, it just, it was not a good game. He wasn't mobile, which is a huge part of his game, is to be able to scramble and run out of the pocket and and pick up yards with his legs. Huge part of his game. And the fact that he wasn't able to do that definitely hindered him against Arizona. And the offensive line, after weeks of improvement, straight up got dominated by the Arizona front four. It just it was not even close. Uh, so it was there. It was just a lot of problems for the Giants against Arizona, and that that joy ride of a four game win streak came to an end against them there. Against. Arizona, which was unfortunate, um, even more unfortunate that the Niners weren't able to string together successful drives in a row against the the Washington football team. But their defense has been both the Giants and Washington. Their defensive defenses have been revving it up. Um, unfortunately for Washington, Alex Smith did leave that game with a leg injury, so Dwayne Haskins was inserted as the starter. Not sure. What the update on Alex Smith is, is he playing next week? Uh, It was a leg injury, and I believe it was the leg that had a lot of the surgeries. That was the concern. So, if that's the case, not sure he plays this week, because, as we know, that leg has given him a lot of problems since he literally almost lost it. But the NFC East, definitely going to come down to the wire, it looks like. So, all in all, playoff picture for the AFC Conference. We are now looking at the Chiefs holding sole place of the number one seed in the AFC. They are 12-1. Pittsburgh drops down to the second seed at 11-2. Buffalo is creeping up there now. They are 10-3. Tennessee, Cleveland, and Indianapolis all at 9-4. Miami and Baltimore both at 8-5 with the Raiders creeping in the backfield at 7-6. and six. With the Raiders creeping in the background at 7-6. and six. For the NFC, 
Green Bay, I was right. Green Bay does hold the number one seed now, the tiebreaker between them and New Orleans. Both teams are 10-3, and three, but Green Bay beat New Orleans. They have the tiebreaker. So, those teams sit at 10-3. and three. The L.A. Rams, which we have not talked enough about. Uh, they played on Thursday against the Patriots, by the way, and won. Uh, demolished the Patriots. Cam got benched again. Was not pretty for them. They sit at 9-4. and four, And a team I feel like a lot of people are still sleeping on. They are with the Seahawks there at 9-4. and four, And I believe the Rams hold the tiebreaker in that division. And they do. So the Rams are in first in the NFC West. Seahawks are second at 9-4. and Arizona's still lingering around at 7-6. and six. As for the rest of the playoff picture, so it's Green Bay, New Orleans, L.A., Seattle. Tampa Bay's in there at 8-5. and five. And then Arizona at 7-6. and six. Washington at 6-7. and seven. That's by record, of course. But seeding-wise, uh, the top seeds would be Green Bay, New Orleans, Los Angeles, and Washington would be the top four seeds. And in the AFC, just so there's not any confusion, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, and Tennessee would be the top seeds in the AFC with with Cleveland, Indianapolis, and Miami getting the wildcard spots and Miami still does hold that tiebreaker over Baltimore. I was saying I'm not sure what their losses entail, but I guess Baltimore has more in-conference losses than Miami. Or maybe they have the same. Who knows? Uh, actually, yeah, Miami has one less conference loss or division loss. Miami's 2-2 two and two in their division. Baltimore's 3-2. and two. And in the conference, Miami's 5-4, and four, and Baltimore is 5-5. Five and five. So I don't know if it's going by division or conference, but who knows? Miami, according to ESPN here in the standings, is listed above Baltimore. So they hold the tiebreaker, whatever that tiebreaker may be at this point. Um, but that's probably going to come down to the wire as well. And Miami's got a... Miami's not even out of the division, right? The Bills are 10-3. They're 8-5. and five. Uh, Next upcoming games, the Dolphins have the Patriots, the Raiders, and the Bills. All winnable games. Legitimately all winnable games. The Bills, however, have a much easier schedule. They have the Broncos on Saturday, actually, and the Patriots, and then the Dolphins, of course, to finish out the season. But uh, So a little bit of an easier schedule there for Buffalo. Uh, but who knows? Broncos are... They're feisty, so, and they are at mile high for that game. Games this week, though, a little bit different because we're coming down to the end of the season here. Uh, Chargers, Raiders, tomorrow, Thursday night, and then on Saturday we have two games. Bills, Broncos in the afternoon at 4.30, and Panthers, Packers, Saturday night at 8.15. Uh, Sunday, along with the list of 1 o'clock games, the Sunday night game is the Browns and Giants, which was flexed there. Super happy that they got flexed into the Sunday night game. Hopefully Daniel Jones plays, uh, but if they don't, then it'll be a Colt McCoy, Jabril Peppers revenge game against the Browns. So that'll be funny. And then the Monday night game is Steelers-Bengals, which is kind of gross, but we deal with it. 
So coming down to the wire here in football, we just went over this week's schedule. Uh, week 16, actually, we're going to get a game next week. Next week, I won't have a podcast. Uh, it is Christmas on Friday, so I'm not going to have a podcast on Wednesday and take that week off. But that Friday, we do have Saints-Vikings Christmas football, which is going to be awesome, along with the start of the NBA season, which goes down December 22nd, I believe is opening tip-off in the NBA, which is going to be awesome. And then, of course, Friday, Christmas basketball, baby. We got Nets, Celtics, Pelicans, Heat, which they're just shoving Zion down your throat, dude. It's so annoying. So, in order, the games. Pelicans, Heat at 12. Warriors, Bucks at 2.30. Nets, Celtics, which should be good. Kyrie against the Celtics at 5. Mavs, Lakers, LeBron, AD versus Luka and Porzingis at 8. And then the nightcap at 10.30, Clippers-Nuggets rematch of the semifinals. Awesome Christmas Day slate of games for the NBA. Super excited for that to get started again. We're going to have a lot more to talk about when we get back after Christmas uh, and before the new year. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Very excited about that. And also we'll have a movie review. The week after Christmas, because Wonder Woman 1984 is going to be out on HBO Max on Christmas Day. I'll probably watch it the day after, but expect a movie review on Wednesday and a lot to talk about. So we're going to have the episode this week, and then next week I'm off, but the week after that we're going to have a bunch to talk about. NFL, NBA opening weekend, Christmas basketball, Christmas football. Uh, NFL week, whatever that'll be, 16 at that point. So, exciting stuff and a movie review, which we haven't done in a while. Very exciting stuff, but for now, that'll do it for this episode of From My Point of View. So, thank you all so much for listening. Um, Again, no episode next week, so Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Uh, Hope everyone has a wonderful time. Enjoy yourselves, enjoy your families, and I will talk to you all before New Year's. We'll have an episode before New Year's. So, enjoy your holidays, and I'll talk to you guys in a couple of weeks.